BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radio Land.
Mark Striegel, thanks so much for joining us. July 2020, how are you guys? Hope you're getting through the summer, staying safe, uh, wearing your Talking Metal masks. If you don't have one, hit me up at Mark at Talking Metal at Yahoo. No, what is it? Mark at TalkingMetal.com. It's that simple. Hit me up there. I can send you out a Talking Metal mask. 18 bucks domestic. Um, probably you have to do like 22 international, but would love to get these out to you. High quality masks. So we'd love to send you one. Um, definitely hit me up at mark at talkingmetal.com if you want one. Um, it's You can you know shoot me a PayPal payment for it. I'll explain all that to you in the email. Cool. And let's do this. Let's get into a great episode. We got Gary from Maelstrom on the show with us. They got a new record of their first full length finally out. We're going to hear all about that. But first, let's hit some more music. We heard little Sean Baker Orchestra getting us into the show. Now we're going to hit some some doom. <clears throat> some doom. Yeah, now we're going to hit some doom. That's right. Yeah, this is Clouds of Dementia by Candlemass here on Talking Metal.
Yes, going way back to 2009 off the Death Magic Doom record, the 10th studio album by Candlemass. Of course, the great Candlemass, Swedish doom metal masters, I would call them. And let's keep the music going. I used to be kind of friendly with these guys. They were on our TV show when we had the TV show back on the Fuse Network. They were called Swashbuckle Pirate Metal. Little thrashy pirate metal right here. Let's go back to this one. This has to go back. I don't know when this was. 2007, 2008. This is Back to the Noose by Swashbuckle Pirates uh, via New Jersey. Ewing, New Jersey, if I remember correctly. Let's get into the interview with Gary from Maelstrom. We'll start it off with a little uh, little music and ancient art sample, if you will, of that song from the new Maelstrom record. And then we'll hear from Gary from Maelstrom.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal and checking in with us. It's been a while. Gary Voskanian from Maelstrom. How are you, Gary? I'm great. How are you doing, Mark? Thanks for having me. How are you doing? You bet. You bet. So your band is Maelstrom and you guys are back with new music. The last time I spoke with you, we were in a bar in Midtown. I think it was 2008. And at that point, you had just released new music for the first time in many, many years. And here we yes. are in 2020. 20, yeah. And you guys yep. finally have a full-length released. So I want to, I want to, right. I want to start there. Let's, let's talk about the, the new album and then we'll go back and trace some of the history. Can you tell us a little bit about the new album, the name of it, for example? Absolutely. The uh, album is called Of Gods and Men. And uh, I, I, we have to do a little bit of the history for me to tell you about the new album, because the reality of it is Absolutely. Uh, we're still we're still milking the same 10 songs since 1988, man. So, <laughs> yeah, because I was going to yeah. say the Even EP the, the, that came <laughs> out in 2008, there's a lot of the how many of the same songs are on, on the uh, the new all, album? All three. All three. All right. Three. OK. But they're all they're all uh, revisionist kind of kind of tracks. They're basically they've all been tooled even a little bit further. Basically, uh, we Joey and I kind of tweak and and t- retool and remove, you know, re- reassess uh, uh, have all of these songs multiple times at this point. Now we're finally at the point where, you know, in our heads and in our hearts, they're at the point where we wanted them to be okay. in the vision that we had for them uh, 32 years ago. Right. It's and, been, it's been know, the now, vision's now been going fun. on for a long time, right? <laughs> yeah. But now, now we're finally at the point where we can kind of say, okay, this is it. This is really what we wanted. And, and not only are we, we, committing this to to their final uh you know to 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 their final iteration but also you know out to the out to the universe as our uh as our you know vision of that creation that started all those decades ago okay so so yeah that's where we're at so let's talk about the history then and we'll then kind of circle back to to the album of god and man the band what's that Plural gods. Oh, gods. I'm sorry. Of God. Let me take it again. All right. Let's let's. Okay, so let's talk about the history then, and then we'll circle back to the new album of Gods and Men. And this this is this is something that you mentioned has been going on for a long time. The band started, and you guys did some demos. And the demos yes. became, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of hot commodities on the tape trading circuit. Back in the day, for anyone, most of my listeners I think know, but we used to trade tapes back and forth. We'd, we'd get bands that weren't signed and you'd dub the tapes and you'd send them to your friend across the country or dub them for your friend that, you know, who you went to high school with and, and stuff kind of spread that way. So the band's original, what, two demos did pretty well yeah. in that kind of underground circuit correct that's that's absolutely correct yeah so our first demo was cut in um 1989 we started in 19 late 1988 is when we officially uh started and uh by early mid 89 we had our first demo out which really was you know a kind of untitled just uh you know you could say it's just mouse from 
demo 89 kind of thing. And, um, it, uh, it did fairly well. It was pretty raw. It was, um, definitely, you know, a, a kid's first attempt at, at getting into a, into a multi-track studio and, and making something happen. I think at the, at the time, I think we thought a lot more of it than, than, than its reality, but it definitely got us, um, you know, it got, it got us some recognition. It got us noticed and it, it definitely started to, to circulate. Um, then by, uh, and, and, and with that, along with that, we, we were making a name for ourselves in the local underground scene, you know, playing the, playing the places, you know, out on Island, like, uh, right. you know, on Feb- February's, which was a, which was a, you know, if you're familiar with that at all, it was sort of like Long Island's version of CBGB's where right. the metal I, band I was, sort I've of never been there, but I, I heard of it. Yep. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of bands played there and kind of cut their teeth there. Dream Theater, Twisted Sister all sort of got their start over there. And um, and then, you know, on the other, on the local scene ourselves and Cold Steel, uh, Crone and some of the other, you know, local bands that started to get, you know, noticed during uh, those years too. Also, like I said, we will cut our teeth at that place. Uh, and then uh, we wound up getting a very big local following over there. There were nights where we were putting, you know, 200 plus in there. And then one, one night we played with Cold Steel and Demolition Hammer there and broke every record the place had ever seen. And, you know, we, it was a, it was a kind of place that, you know, max occupancy, legal occupancy, I think was somewhere around 74 or something like that. And, you know, us Demolition Hammer and Cold Steel pushed almost 500 people in the place. So, you know, it was wow. a, it was a fire, mar- it was a fire marshal, uh, you know, uh, extravaganza <laughs> at that point in time. So, but I mean, you know, it was, it was amazing. You know, the underground scene yeah. back then was, uh, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties was really, was really a great, you know, it was a great place to be. And there was, it was just a lot of action going on. It was a lot of fun. And then as we started to get bigger, you know, we started to get some opening gigs over at Sundance, which was a lot bigger a place. And, you know, we played with uh, bands such as Watchtower, Atheist, Candlemass, uh, you know, those, those guys. Right. And, um, the second tape by 91, when we pushed out the second tape, which is called this battle to make history at history never comes, that sort of got us, uh, I guess you could say sort of a cultish following in the underground. Uh, we, we, it, it circulated well. It, um, it got really known, uh, not just here, but also over in Europe and South America, it became kind of, like you said, a hot commodity. And uh, it was well produced and it, it had really nice packaging. And, you know, we did, we sort of went the whole nine with that. And we had done, you know, we, we, we also had developed tremendously both as, as musicians, but also as, as studio musicians. And we were guided a lot by the guy who recorded it, who was a guy named Greg Marchek. And uh, he helped us quite a bit with, with the actual recording process. And really we, you know, we, we, it was a leaps and bounds better, situation for us both as well as songwriting as musicians and as recording artists and production uh, and the production aspect so it really started to get us noticed we started charting in like metal force you remember metal forces magazine course, they had yeah. like a, a reader's demo chart so we started charting in that um we were getting picked up on um the radio stations that played this kind of stuff overseas like portugal and Spain and some other parts of Europe were starting to play this pretty regularly on, on their radio stations. And, um, it, uh, it, you know, it, it was, it, 
it was going really well for ourselves. If you recall also back then, there was a guy named Richard C from a company called Wild Rags Records. And he owned a uh, record company and a record store over in California. And uh, what had happened was he gave us some good advice and we had developed a really strong um, uh, mailing list. You know, we, you know, back then there was, it was real mailers, you know, we had to do real mailing and uh, we had developed a real strong uh, mailing list local because uh, we, you know, we put a lot of people in, in, in the local uh, venues. So we had, a, and we had a strong mailing list that helped support that. So we traded our mailing list with Richard uh, along with his mailing list for the magazines. And he had, I don't know, whatever, maybe four, three, four, five hundred, whatever it was, fanzines. And uh, he kind of gave us the advice was, you know, what I want you guys to do is you send a letter to all of these fanzines. You say, okay, if you want a copy of the tape, write us back and we'll send you a copy of the tape and you review it. And, you know, we'll develop a relationship with correspondence and that kind of thing. He was like, you know, he had given us that advice because he didn't want us to mail out whatever it was, 500 tapes, you know, just crazy, you know, when you're 17 years old to try to do that with the, the money that would be involved, you know, especially sending everything to right. over to overseas. And, you know, and, and back then you were dealing also with you were, you were even dealing with things like, you know, that, that, that would seem extremely foreign to somebody now. But, you know, back then, like kids in Portugal. Not Portugal. The kids in like Czechoslovakia, they weren't allowed to have this. You know, right. they, they could get yeah. arrested. They could get arrested for having our tapes. So, like, literally arrested for having our demo tape. So it, it was the level of passion that existed back then was a totally different thing. It was, it was, you know, you you didn't just download something off of Spotify or, or you know or a bit foreign site and say, yeah, I heard the latest. Malstrom song. Yeah, no, these and that, kids like died for this. Right. You know and I mean? that's something like, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken about before that, that there's been a whole devalue in things. I mean, oh, even yeah. for me oh, as, as a kid in the eighties, I would get on my 10 speed bike and, and ride way out to this independent record store, like 12 yeah, miles from my house, you know, with my yep. paper out money. And I'd flip through yep. that import section <laughs> and the metal section i'd look and i'd I'd, and i'd and i'd invest in a record that i may have never heard you know an agent steel record or you know uh, something like that that. and then i'd ride it home i'd ride it home on my bike you know sweating and almost getting hit by cars on my bike and then and then i put it on and i'd listen to it and and that knowing how hard it was to get the record made me dive into it and experience it so much more and, and to, you know, then, then going exactly to Spotify and clicking on something and be like, Oh, okay. You know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's like there was such, and exactly. to hear you talk about a, a one, a, a maelstrom tape ending up in a communist country. And you know, it was literally, you're right. It was illegal to have something like that in those countries, yeah. you know? And, and so it, it really made the fans quite passionate. It, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and that's, you know, the devaluation of music as a, as a saleable commodity is something I've, I've written about. It's something I've talked with people about. And, and you know what it is, man, I get it because I, I talk to people now, you know, po- you know, anyone born, let's say post, you know, certainly post Napster, but for the most part, let's say post internet, you know, they think that paying for media is, is fundamentally stupid. Right. Like literally stupid. They're like, why would you ever pay for that? You get it for free. Why do you pay for that? It's 
like, well, it cost me 50 grand over the past 10 years to cut this album, you know? Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, Absolutely. You know, it, you know, and maybe there's a level of stupidity to that, but, you know, I wanted to do it. And, and in order to do it right and with all the hit, heartache and hiccups and, and right. hurdles that we had to go through in order to get this done, yeah, it cost me about 50K to get <laughs> this thing done. And now you're going you're gonna to rip it off a BitTorrent site right and, and tell me, you know, and, and tell me, you know, well, that's, that's normal. And I get it. And it is I, to a certain degree. But, you know, I come from, I come from an era where, where you come from, man. We, you know, me and my buddy get on, get on our bikes and go to Slip Disc. With our paper route money and, and rifle through 12 inches and, you know, have to decide like, all right, you know, you know, they were all 798 and not, you know, I want five, but I got three, you get the other two and we'll, you know, we'll listen to them together. And it became, and you said this word and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hammer on this word possibly throughout the, the, the remainder of this interview, but I'm going to hammer on it right now. It became Mark, it became experiential. Okay. It right. was not just background filler. It was not just the latest song that you threw on. It was not just something that, you know, came, uh, you know, it came in your head for 12 seconds and you just moved on again. It wasn't like that. You sat there and you took this in as an experience, the way one would go to a movie or reading a book that they were going to sit and, and eat, you know, 20 chapters at a clip of, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, or the way somebody might binge watch, you know, an entire season of, of a show that they absolutely love. Listening to a record was experiential and that as both an art form of creation and an art form of listening to is all but gone. Right. Right. on. And, and- one of the reasons we wrote this record the way that we did was because of that fact. We wanted this to be an experience. Absolutely, and it is. It sounds great. Again, we're talking about the new album. It's Of Gods and Men, and it is a great sounding record. Let's do this, Gary. Let's play a track off the record, and then I want to come back and chat with you for another, you know, five to ten minutes uh, before I before I let you go because I got a couple questions I want to hit on with you. But what can we play for the Talking Metal listeners right now? Um, well, uh, let's, let's, let's assume someone hasn't heard, uh, our stuff before, or if they've heard the EP, you know, let's, let's try and pick a track that, uh, might be a little bit, a little bit different. Um, well, I know we played, uh, we played a rise back on the podcast in 2008. I don't know if we still have any listeners left Um, from that era, but it's a little, uh, it's a, you know, and Arise is a little bit retooled and a little bit different, also even now. But um, uh, let let's take something uh, let's take something a little bit uh, a little bit different. Let's go with Thief of Light. You got it. Okay, and Gary, we'll uh, I'll edit this together, obviously, and we'll yeah, sure. a couple more questions, but I yeah I probably do need to wrap it up in about you know ten minutes max, so um, we'll just That's keep cool. that in mind. Dude, I was I was just do, I was just doing one that am I talking too much? No, no, it's it's fine. I just want to just you know if there's anything that you definitely want to hit upon, let's let's sure. uh, we'll get it in. Yeah. Um, I, I was I was just on one about 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 two hours ago. I was on I was on a call with. Uh, 
a guy doing a video interview with me from Germany, and we went an hour and twenty minutes. Oh, wow. You know what I'm okay. saying? So, like, right, I mean, right you know, you, you you know, you you you're, you're you're trying to keep it under twelve. This guy was 120. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. so it's all over the place, I guess. You know? Yeah. Right on. Okay. All right, Maelstrom here on Talking Metal. New music off the Gods and Men album. It is out now. We're talking with Gary. Gary, remind us who else is in the band with you. Well, really, Mark, it's it's uh, basically just Joey and I. Uh, we had recruited a guy named Dave. So it's me, it's myself, Gary Boscanyan, and Joey Lodes, who's the guitar player. He also played bass on this album. We recruited a guy named Daniel Clefton who cut drums for us and another gentleman named Ed Marks who did keyboards and uh, helped me with some um, uh, kind of tooling, some vocal passages and things like that. He also recorded my vocals uh, and a gentleman named Rich Lagey did all the uh, mixing and mastering. But basically Maelstrom is really Joey and I. Got it. So you guys, you do the demos, then there's years of inactivity, correct? How, like, uh, correct. But, but yeah. you do you do come back like to it, and there's there's life back with with the band, but between the, at least the two of you, and you release this EP uh, in 2008, mm-hmm. which is the last time I interviewed you for the podcast, and yes. then at, at that point, um, what happens? Uh, well, uh, basically, we released the EP Joe, uh, during the recording of the EP session. Joey is um, accepted into medical school outside of the country. So once you get that call, you kind of have to go or you lose your spot. So and that happened literally while we were recording drums on the, on the EP. So so the EP, the EP was never in t- an intention. Uh, the EP happened because of the fact that Joey was basically in school for another four years during the process. So we basically realized that the album was going to have to be shelved. There was no way we were going to cut all 10 tracks at that point. And um, so during, during like times when he was off and back in the country, we cut the EP. Um, during that, you know, after the EP came out during that time, you know, I had two children. He had two children. Um, He's got a third now, uh, you know, jobs were, jobs were changed. Careers were changed. Jobs were lost. Uh, homes were lost due to Sandy, you know, right. uh, hurricanes. Um, you know, money was good. Money was bad. You know, just life, you know, life got in the way, essentially. I mean, I, you know, there's a million and one excuses, but, you know, fundamentally there was just, even when we had it done, it still wasn't the right time for us because, you know, we, we didn't have the ability to, to uh, uh, go with the with the, the 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 PR people that we wanted to go with, go with the radio people that we wanted to go with, the social media people that we wanted to go with to produce the produce the merch. You know what I'm saying? Funds just weren't right. And then, um, and I guess ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, nothing's ever going to be perfect. But um, you know, it got shelved once again. And then basically, this uh, mark this pandemic hit, and um, I was, uh, I, I was home and I was being set up to work from home from my office. And, uh, I called Joey up and I said, you know what, uh, dude, this, um, this may be the one time in history that being a non touring band is an advantage. Um, and, and the quick explanation to that is basically Mark, all of the 
big names and all of the touring acts right now had to kind of park their stuff right. because none of the labels want to push the album when they have you know when Live Nation and the other venues and the other venue holders can't can't let them play. You know, so you got like Lamb of God, who was supposed to hit at the same time that we're hitting right now, pushes their album back. You got dozens, dozens of, of big names that that are basically, you know, in limbo, essentially, because none of them can effectively tour. We really have zero intention of touring. And we looked at this and said, you know what, this is the one time in history where it might be a good thing that we don't that we're not touring. Right. And. We literally have a captive audience, you know, unfortunately, because of all this, you got people that have been stuck in, in, in their house, like at that point, probably yeah. 80 days, you know, people are probably Jones in for something new, even though it's 30 years old, it's still new to a lot of people. And I, you know, personally speaking, even though it's 32 years old, I don't feel like it sounds like it's that dated. Right. Um, and, uh, but when you, you say know, 30 years old, kind of, I mean, the, the, these recordings aren't 30 years old. These songs are 30 years no, old. The reco- right. Exactly. But the writing is 30 years old. Right. So, let you me, know, and yep. Let me, let me ask so you this. Basically, that was it. Yeah. No, I hear you because like, like even for, for what I do, we've seen an uptick. I thought, I thought like, oh, wow. I, I wonder, you know, are people aren't going to be in their cars driving to work. No one's going to be listening to the podcast. Everyone's going to be dealing with stuff, but no, our numbers have gone way up for, for talking metal during this. And even, you know, we're Mm -hmm. doing a live video stream on Friday nights and, you know, we had a, we had 1,100 people tune into the live stream uh, two weeks ago, you know, which is, which is incredible. Uh, Thanks. Thanks. But yeah, so I, I do think for, for media in general, it's an interesting, strange time. Uh, Okay. So my, my question, is these songs again 30 years we're talking uh, have been a part of your life this has been to put out a full an official full length album i mean this has been a long time coming for you guys how does it emotionally feel to finally put this out there to the world i mean it's it's got to be an emotional thing i would think uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, it feels great. I finally did this thing that then, you know, uh, look, uh, the, uh, the long and the short of it, uh, you know, I, I, I'm an artist. I've, I've been in advertising and commercial art for 30 plus years. Um, I've been doing the band for 32 years now on and off. Uh, I, I write, uh, you know, and I, I think that a lot of people that, have that in them, have that creative side in them, um, you know, have a little bit more of, let's say an emotional aspect towards things. Maybe they hang on to things more. Maybe that, you know, my, me personally speaking, I know for myself, I've had, I've had a, uh, some, some trouble with, with follow through. So for me, this is finally a, a, a personal, a personal win and a little bit of a personal vindication in that I can say, yeah, you know what? I did it. I actually finished the damn thing. You know, I'll have great starts with things and then, you know, not such great follow through. But, but for me in that respect, you know, I, it's definitely a goal that I can tick off, uh, you know, on, on a checklist. Um, at the same time, uh, there's an aspect of the fact that the real work really starts now because yeah, we put the thing out, but you know, it, it, if we want it to have legs and we want it to do something, you know, we got to nurture the baby, you know, you can't just, 
can't just kind of leave it for itself and, and let it flounder. You gotta, you know, we, we, and that's a little never didn't see the light done because the the way we wanted it. Okay. You're, you're cutting out there a little bit here. Yeah. The connection has been great up until about 30 seconds ago. I'm not sure. All right, folks, we were having some technical problems with with Gary here, and we now have him back on the line. So, Gary, before you were breaking up, uh, I think we were talking about just the emotions that you you have releasing these songs, which you, in theory, have been working on for a good portion of your life, really. I mean, is is it an emotional thing for you? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, of course these, these things, uh, you know, I've been sitting on for 32 years right now at this point and, you know, different iterations, uh, of them have been, you know, created, crafted, scrapped, reworked, redone, retooled, and now they're finally out in there. You know, what the vision of what we, uh, anticipated, you know, as the final, as the final iteration of them. So yes, there's, there's definitely, uh, emotion uh, attached to it. Uh, one, one of those emotions is, is just elation. I'm finally, you know, it's finally done and out and, you know, to, to the satisfaction of Joey and I. So we, we're certainly happy about that. Um, there's, uh, there's also the, 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 the fact that a lot of the real work Mark starts kind of now, you know, like, like, although we've been working on these songs for so long and, and recorded some of right. them several times over, you know, now it's the matter of actually promoting them, getting them out to the world and, you know, and getting them heard and doing the interviews and, you know, what I'm doing right now, basically, and, and that kind of thing. So there's also, you know, there, there's there's still a lot of work ahead, but uh, certainly the, the emotion of being extremely happy that they're out and also just that I can kind of check that off of the of the life goals is, is a big right. deal. Because, yeah. you know, certainly something I wanted to finish in my life. Absolutely. And another thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, since you guys have been doing this, which has been obviously a, a long time, 30, 30 years, right? 30, over, over 30 years. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of bands since, you know, let's say in the last 15 years that are coming up with these similar themes, you know, that you guys kind of had this battle uh, themes and now there's Viking metal and, you know, this type of stuff like that. In some ways, I feel like you guys we're kind of doing that before anybody else. Uh, thoughts on that? Well, um, I mean, you, you know, you, you had, uh, you had bands like Omen, you had bands, of course, like Man of War, you know, I, I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of the That's true. And sorcery That's true. kind of things were, were you know, we're, we're, we're always there to a certain degree, part and parcel with, with, with aspects of metal. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I think the Viking metal movement is, is sort of its own, kind of its own thing. I certainly, you know, wouldn't want to take any level of credit for, for something that's certainly not part of my culture. But I think that, um, you know, we always keyed on, even when, even when I was always very fantasy oriented, my, my influences came from primarily from my mother who was a huge, you know, Tolkien head. And I played Dungeons and Dragons when I was in, you know, like before I was 10 and that kind of thing. And I was always into that sort of stuff. Um, and so writing fantasy-esque kind of things was always part of 
something I was interested in and, and, and into doing. Um, so I'm, I'm at my parents' house right now and, and, uh, I'm actually kind of ripping apart a lot of the house basically to kind of, kind okay. of clean things out because both of them wound up with COVID-19 pneumonia and we're in the hospital. And when they come back, I got to oh, have, you know, I'm trying to make the place right. as kind of streamlined as possible. So okay. I'm going through all of these old things. And I actually found an old Polaroid from when I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. And the shot is, is of me in, in, in a toga. And, you know, I'm, I'm nine at this point, basically. And, and I'm holding a golden lightning bolt and I have like laced golden sandals and I'm in a toga with bare chest and, you know, and, and a, le- a golden leaf, like, you know, thing around my head, you know, and basically I, I think it was for a Greek gods report. And, you know, I was doing like the, the sons of Kronos, if I remember correctly, good Poseidon, Zeus, and, you know, uh, um, the Hades and, um, right. <laughs> you know, so I'm looking at that and I'm like, okay, I guess there was never any question as to what the cover of my album would wind up being, you know? So I guess yeah. it was always kind of in me to do that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and now that, that these songs are finally out there in, in a full album format, of course, the album again of gods and men by Maelstrom, um, is there thoughts of doing new music or is this kind of you you got here you're you're finally getting this full length album out you know we're not even thinking about the future or or are you or is there new music down the road well um i i mean look i, I you know i'm not going to say that it's one and done but it you know it certainly could be it might you know it might be i'm i'm 49 so maybe this is it i'm just glad that i can check this one off um uh the um uh, it, well, you're it, young it, it, compared it, it, to a lot of these guys. I mean, there's guys out there in their seventies. Yeah, I mean, you know, doing you know, a lot of those guys also have 25 albums under their belt, or you know, at this point, true, I true. Have one, you know, I don't have 25 songs. So, but um, the uh, the as the aspect of of doing anything else right at this moment new is not really where we're he- where our heads are at because, like I was saying just a little while ago, the work really kind of starts now in terms of all the back end stuff, the behind the scenes kinds of things, the things that, the things that, that people don't go into a band thinking they're going to have to do, but you know, is really important. You know, um, everything that has to do with not writing the songs and recording the music has to get done now. And we're, we're not a label band. We don't have a label backing. We have a lot of people in our, you know, in our mastermind unit, you know, we have a lot of really great people who the labels use themselves. And, and I've had, I've had a lot of support and help from, from, I'll say guys like Al Dawson from, from Earache Records. He's the manager of the, of the U S version of Earache, huge help. Uh, guys like Dennis Clapp, who was the guy who started Spitfire Records. You know, these are guys that have helped us and advised us and kind of nurtured us along the way. And although we never signed with their label, their respective labels, they've they've given us a tremendous amount of advice throughout the you know throughout the years, and they've been really really helpful to us in us acquiring people like Munzee from Skateboard Marketing to do radio, people like John Freeman to help us with PR, uh, um, the the um, the guys that I have working on the social media and, you know, they, they, uh, uh, Matt from dropout on the social media and, you know, these are all contacts that we've gotten through the guys that have helped us from the labels and stuff, you know? So, you know, right now, like I said, a lot of the real work starts really in that respect right now to get this thing out to the world. Um, uh, our old bass player, John Modell, who also plays in the, in the band car bomb, 
um, he just found um, all the recorded, all the songs we ever wrote after the second demo. And, you know, they're basement recordings, basically practice sessions, but they're there and they're recorded and now we have them. So, you know, so, so, I mean, all the material that we, we wrote, you know, so so if we ever do decide to do something else, we we have a good six, you know, good six solid starts, uh, you know, and they would still, and they would still be 30 years old. (laughs) Right. Right. There you go. You know, short of that, I, I, I've always wanted to do a couple of, um, you know, maybe like an EP of a few covers that are sort of left of center kind of things. Like, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I like covers from metal bands that are things that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect from a metal band. Like I, I really enjoyed the, um, the one from disturbed, you know, the, the Niels, the, um, uh, what was that? Um, sound of silence. I really, you know, oh, I really okay. enjoyed what they did with that. Uh, had a, you know, and I've, we used to do a, a cover of Billy Joel's Pressure, so I, I could see us maybe doing something like that if we Great were going to do something in the short term, uh, in the studio again. But uh, on the long term, well, like I said, we found these uh, we found these other tracks. We'll we'll see where it goes. So there you could know? be more. There could be more. There could be more. Maelstrom, yeah. Gary. It's always great talking with you, and it's I know it's been a while, but uh, let's let's uh, reconnect before another twelve years go by. Yes, please. Absolutely. Where's the best place people can reach you online? Is there a social media page? I know there's a Facebook page, right? Yes. Well, there's absolutely a Facebook page, and that's Metal Maelstrom. Facebook, um, you know, Metal Maelstrom. Um, Bandcamp is uh, Metal Maelstrom. Bandcamp at Metal Maelstrom. Um, Twitter, also Metal Maelstrom. Um, Online, it's just maelstrom.online is our main main website, our, 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 you know, home, home website. And, uh, you know, uh, we're on Instagram, you know, basically, you know, we're, we're relatively easy to find, although there is other, <laughs> there is unfortunately plenty of other bands named Maelstrom. Right. But, uh, right. we usually use the, the handle metal Maelstrom. All right, cool. Well, we'll link some of those through the show notes on talkingrock.net and talkingmetal.com. And, uh, yeah, great, great speaking with you, Gary. I love hearing the stories and I'm psyched that these songs are finally seeing a full album release. We encourage everyone. Yeah, we encourage everyone to go check them out on Spotify or Amazon Music or Apple Music. They're just about everywhere, right? Yes, they are on all three of those. Okay, awesome. Oh yeah, Gary. And before before I let you go, just I, I hope everything goes all right with your parents. I'm so sorry that uh, they fell ill with this uh, this disease or illness or whatever you want to call it. Are they doing okay? Well, th- thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You know, the, um, they're both now out of the hospital and into rehab. So hopefully, uh, prayers said and fingers crossed, they'll, they'll, they'll come out of it. Okay. Thank you. Good. Good. Yeah. Some technical issues there on the, uh, on the interview. So I had to kind of piece it together from a few different, uh, things. I think we were on a cell phone first and then he called me back the next day on a landline. So we made it nice. We edited it all together. I, I thought at one point he was telling me during the interview what song to play, but I couldn't find that. And maybe that was in part of the interview that I had to edit out because the quality was so bad. I don't really know, but hopefully I'm playing the right songs. This is a song I love. This is Arise by Maelstrom.
right, guys, we're going to do it right there. We're going to leave it. We're going to cut it. We're going to stop this uh, nonsense, the Talking Metal podcast, and we will be back real soon. This is Overthrow by Forbidden to take us out.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.